Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. The myth of the cyborg is like very representative of like feminism and how we can like harness the strength that we find in like discovering what is like taught to us and what is encouraged of us by like this patriarchal society and being able to create like a future of our own on our own terms. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade, my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in sonic arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Knob Twiddlers, welcome to season ruddy bloody four of Girls Twiddling Knobs. It is so good to be back here with you and I am seriously excited about all the amazing episodes we have in store for you. Like some super juicy Solo Isabel episodes where I dissect everything from dealing with other people's feedback on your work to what sidechain compression is. We're nothing but eclectic here on this podcast. And we have so many wonderful guests too, not least today's New York-based musician and producer Miss Grit, aka Margaret Sun. And if you're someone who loves a good concept album, this episode is for you because inside we discuss Margaret's new album, Follow the Cyborg. Combining both grit and cleanliness in equal measure, Miss Grit is an exploration of what it means to be human and then reframe this on our own terms. But this doesn't mean that Follow the Cyborg was made in a big, flashy studio. Margaret prefers to record and produce in the privacy of their own space in order to fully embrace the intimacy of making music. Inside this episode, Margaret shares the process of making their new album, their experience of learning music tech in a male-dominated environment, and why they're so fascinated by cyborgs too. Okay, let's meet Miss Grit. So welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs, Margaret. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. Well, maybe we could just start off by, could you share with the listeners the kind of music you make and where you're joining us from right now? 
Yeah. So I right now am in my childhood bedroom in Michigan, just here for the weekend, but usually I am living in Queens in New York. But the type of music I make is maybe getting a little electronic more than indie rock these days. So yeah. Yeah. And so would you say that's where you kind of started as an artist is more in a kind of indie rock realm? Yeah, definitely. I was like, playing backup guitar for like indie rock bands around New York. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. I don't know if you could give us some references of, you know, who you are influenced by or who you're trying to emulate with your music right now. I guess I try not to like emulate many people like in, in my music, but there's obviously always influences that seep in like no matter where you like try to go with your music. But growing up, I was definitely influenced by St. Vincent to play guitar. She was always like, yeah, someone that I like tried to play in my bedroom and like, just like channel her strength and like guitar skills. But also LCD sound system has been a really big electronic influence. And lately, Alex G has been a really big one too. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely hear the St. Vincent influence for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I was also an artist that came to mind when I was listening to your, to you was Liz Fair, but her earlier stuff. Oh so yeah. Like X, ex, okay. Exile and Guyville and just, I don't know, not, not exactly, but it just made me think a bit of that. And that would make sense with the kind of indie rock beginnings, cool. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So could you just share, how did you start making music in the first place? I guess I started like a little late. I've been playing music for like since I was in like first grade, but I think when it came to writing music, it was always like really intimidating for me. So uh, I didn't really start like seriously doing it until college. I like would always like do a little bit of songwriting for like school projects in high school because I knew that like it was a soft spot for teachers and it would like secure me a good grade if I did that. But like, yeah, I didn't start like writing Miss Grid stuff until, yeah, sophomore year of college. That was when it, I decided to like, yeah, give it a shot. It's always, it's always been something that I've wanted to do, but it's, it's just like really scary. <laughs> like understanding like who you are as a musician and then like creating the sound that matches that. And especially like growing up, just like always being into music and like having like just a huge passion for it and a lot of pressure seemed to like be building up like if I was if I would like the type of music that I was writing or or not it was kind of like a really scary question to me. And was that a pressure that you felt just inside of yourself or was it from conversations you'd had with other people as well? Definitely inside myself but also like going to college with a bunch of like crazy talented musicians it's easy to like get swept up in their personal journeys and comparing your own and just seeing the differences there. And I couldn't help but like feel insecure about like those differences. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think comparison is like just something you can't really help. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, like you say, it's kind of, it's difficult when you, you go off and maybe you study music in some way and then you're suddenly around all these other people that do music. Whereas, whereas before for a lot of people, you're kind of a bit of an oddball if you really like take music seriously, but then suddenly you're surrounded by all these other musicians. And yeah. what were the, some of the, some of the things that you felt were different about other people's experiences then that would kind of make you feel that comparison? 
I think just getting to college and like already feeling like behind was like a big thing. Just because I I didn't go to like a music high school and there was nobody really. I mean, I was I played with like a couple friends and that you know that gave me like really good practice. But I think just getting to college and seeing how immersed everyone was already in the music world and like how. Much experience they already had, like some people had already been working in studios and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, just feeling really behind on like technical knowledge and also just your your musical like confidence was like a big thing too. Yeah, and you went to NYU, didn't you? Yeah. So what was the course that you did? So I studied music tech there, and it was like it was a cool program. I think the. Recording and like production program in Clive Davis is like their popular one. That's like the the one that like Maggie Rogers is from and like Pharrell taught there. But like music tech is like in a different school and like definitely doesn't have the funding or resources that the Clive Davis school has. So definitely a little bit like grittier than maybe I don't know like another possible like college experience could have been, but it was really really fun and like. The classes were really informative, like being able to take recording classes,、um, like analog recording, but then also being able to take analog electronic classes where you're like doing circuit building and stuff was really really fun. And then also they had like audio for video classes, like video games or or movies that kind of stuff. So yeah, really big variety of different things that I. Could learn about there, so yeah,、mm, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of wondering, like a lot of the time, those courses are very male dominated. Yeah, was yeah. that the case for you in that scenario? Yeah, I guess my first class I ever took in the music tech department was taught by a woman, which was nice,、mm-hmm. and it was it was a class about like the fundamentals, so that was actually very like helpful and definitely like. Yeah, definitely, it w- was like a very inviting and like like comfortable atmosphere. But yeah, definitely getting into the other classes and getting a bit deeper into the music tech world, it closes into you and like yeah, lots of lots of dudes. But there was also like a good amount of women in my program. It was maybe I don't want to like misinterpret the numbers, but it was like maybe. A quarter woman. Okay, yeah, that is, and that, that's yeah, statistically yeah. on the on the high end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So not not terrible, and、mm. we were able to like bond over that, and、mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned a, a big kind of range of stuff that you covered in that course, but I'm wondering、mm. during that time, was there something that you were able to get your hands on or study that you really took to or really caught your imagination? Yeah, yeah. I actually really, really enjoyed the electronic classes, just because, like, being a big guitar pedal nerd, that was、mm. something that was really cool to me, and it was just really like satisfying being able to like do something with your hands and then create this like really crazy sound that like you hear like Saint Vincent like playing or something. That was something that I really thought about pursuing like seriously and being able to take like electrical engineering classes to. That was really, really fun, but also really hard. But 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to get your head around, isn't it? Because it, yeah, it really is. All the theory stuff as well, all the physics and math. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned in, you know, when you went off to study, you did start then forming your moniker, Miss Grit. Can you tell me how that came about and why you decided to go under the name Miss Grit and what that means for you? Yeah, I definitely knew I didn't want to like go by my real name just because I felt like, I don't know, I, I'm just like always surrounded by like things about Margaret that and like things, insecurities in my head and all that stuff that I just really wanted to create a different person that I could kind of channel all my, you know, in a way it's like a controlled type of thing where I can put what I want into Miss Grit and, you know, not be worried about like the other things. So it's kind of like empowering in that way because it gives you like a certain amount of confidence or a certain amount of, yeah, like control over it. There's definitely still similarities like between me and Miss Grit. I think though, like if I have the the ability to kind of like create this, this like like character of Margaret that people people don't really have to know know anything about Margaret to like know Miss Grit. That's like a really mm-hmm. cool thing to me. And like, yeah, it's just really freeing in a way because there's like so many so many details about life and like insecurities that you have to worry about in like a day-to-day thing, like when you're being taken in as like Margaret and just being able to like put those aside and then like turn into this other like thing is mm. yeah it's re- it's really like empowering so I, I just wanted to you know create music without any of those like other negative things and and like be able to not like put any limits for myself and kind of like yeah create this maybe like boundaryless thing yeah yeah and i know that um on your spotify i was looking cuz actually something i noticed is that there's like when you go to your website it's quite spare. It's quite kind of very stripped back. And so when I was trying to find like a biog, even, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was quite difficult, but I did find stuff on Spotify and it was interesting the way that your work is, is kind of um, articulated there. And I know that with your most recent single, um, like you, that you're saying you were really fascinated by the the lead kind of bot in Ex Machina and mm-hmm. her story arc and how the the voice is very much trying to kind of emulate that that story arc in some way in that song. So so I guess there's two questions from that is like is that a real conscious decision that you you don't share very much at all about your biog, you know, anything else like photos or even it's just <laughs> here's, <laughs> here's, here's the music yeah. and maybe one or two images and that's pretty much it. Is that a conscious decision? I guess so, but in a way, it's also just an extension of like my personality. I think, like, I I have like a personal Instagram, and even then, I don't really post that much. I like definitely, I definitely like post to like the close friends list, you know. Like, I I I, I like open up like to my my the selected like safe group, you know. But it's just yeah, I guess it's just what my instinct is is to not like not overshare with you know people i i don't feel that safe with maybe yeah. <laughs> not not that the the world i mean the world is a little bit scary but yeah um, yeah 
but it's an interesting thing like to see especially nowadays because most of the time now I think as artists we feel like we've really got to keep putting stuff out and that when you go to our site you have to have this 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 all stuff checked off so when I went to your site and it was so spare and um and it really stood out from that point of view so it's interesting kind of yeah thinking about how much we how much we choose to share even as an artist yeah you know yeah definitely I think I've definitely had these talks like with you know the people around me and the people around Miss Grit about like social media and it's definitely like a time in like all of our lives where it seems like I mean like me yeah me and my close like other artist friend were like talking about this how it really feels like social media is kind of like make it or break it for an artist right Mm. now and that's like a really like that's like a really shitty thing to like feel because it's not the space for everyone to like participate in or like feel comfortable participating in and so I think even though that pressure is there that like oh if I post a lot then like there's a chance that my music could like be discovered in that way but growing up I think all like all the artists that I've always gravitated towards like don't really have that strong social media presence and like although the times are changing and like it's now more like important than ever I think I still like want to hold on to that kind of hope that it's still possible to yeah like make music that people listen to without having to like make TikTok a thing or like Mm. I don't know all these other things yeah, it's it's very tricky, isn't it? But yeah, I think, like you say, it's a kind of evolving conversation. I think for not just musicians, just for people in general, just like how yeah. much we actually do share online, and and like you say, this this big pressure that it it can either make or break your career. And I think it's really refreshing when artists make that decision, you know, to to not share as much. So yeah, that was something I kind of noticed. But I think. Um, that then kind of coming back to what I did find of you online, <laughs> which is this um, <laughs> the text on Spotify. And I thought it would, that was interesting about this new track that you shared, like you, that you, mm-hmm. uh, and you have previously released music under Miss Grit before, of course, but with this new track like you, you're kind of saying that it seemed like you were really inhabiting the voice of some kind of almost non-human thing like robot or something can you talk about that a bit is that something that's evolved or has that always been at the core of Miss Grit well I think it's always like subconsciously been at the core of Miss Grit like I grew up with like those movies being my favorite movies ever and like the my favorite characters like Ex Machina Ghost in the Shell these are all like all characters that I really hold close to my myself and that I actually relate to a lot and I think kind of realizing that and also, you know, reading texts that like support that as well, like all helped me realize that I wanted to make an album about cyborgs mm. and kind of just like channel the like strength that a cyborg can hold, even though they're at first taken as like a product of like a man's creation and like a subservient being in a way they can also be like someone that's really powerful and they're able to like fully understand themselves in a way that doesn't like involve ego 
And yeah, like the character in Ex Machina, she is able to like see herself very clearly and like understand what was intended of her creation and then able to make her own decision and create a life of her own mm. and therefore like abandoning her creator and uh, I guess, sorry, spoil, spoiler alerts, but um, yeah, yeah. kind of freeing herself from that confinement. So yeah, yeah, definitely a very like powerful feeling and something that like I wanted to channel and uh, yeah, mm. express in my music. So mm, yeah, it's really interesting that idea of the cyborg and what they represent for us, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, cause like you say, it's, it's a real, so, so many of us have these experiences ourselves where we become really self-aware about something and then we become aware of our power in that mm-hmm. context, whatever it might be. And then we're able to, you know, almost make a new reality for ourselves, make a new, take action, make a new future through becoming aware of our power. Become, and that totally. comes through becoming self-aware. So yeah, it's interesting that that's something that you've really picked out for Miss Grit as inhabiting that through music as a, a musical being, I guess. Yeah. I think it's something that like also is like super relevant, to, like what's happening in the world, like today, like all these like cyborg trends and like the, like everyone kind of like gravitating towards that, like in a way of like fashion, mm-hmm. but also I think it's been around for like a while now that we've like kind of subconsciously been attracted to this idea like for instance like ghost in the shell is like a anime that was made like decades ago and it's like something that we still really find so relevant yeah definitely i'm interested in um you said there was some texts that you'd read that had kind of helped you to better understand this can you talk about any of that yeah so the album's name follow the cyborg is something that I pulled from a text from Gia Tolentino. It was an essay from her book, Trick Mirror. The essay is called Always Be Optimizing and the, just the how the cyborg can like relate to like feminism these days and the role of like women in society. That was kind of the essay that I read and kind of like connected all the dots of like why I like really love all these movies and stuff and relate to all these characters. And um, yeah, it definitely gave me the motivation to like start writing this music. And actually I was like writing like you at the time and it kind of triggered this like change in the lyrics for me. Mm. So I I kind of like rewrote the lyrics in a way. But she also like pulls a lot from uh, Donna Haraway's Cyborg Manifesto, Mm -hmm. which honestly is like a really dense text and I like have not read most of it. (laughs) But I think the gist is like, yeah, kind of... The myth of the cyborg is like very representative of like feminism and how we can like harness the strength that we find in like discovering what is like taught to us and what is encouraged of us by like this patriarchal society and being able to create like a future of our own on our own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's interesting that a lot of the time we think of it in terms of these big kind of epic sci-fi stories, but it's happening all the time anyway. Like for example, when you're on a train or, you know, you're at an ATM machine or whatever, if there's an AI generated, computer generated voice, it will always be a feminine voice. Right. Always be right. Because that's non-threatening and, you know, and, 
and we associate cyborgs in that sense of that service sense as being very female and so yes. it, it, it is happening already all around us but totally. in very mundane very boring ways yeah and yeah like siri or alexa yeah like, yeah it's like how may i serve you you know and, and it's yeah very, yeah it does tie in very much with feminism and you know where we what we expect of women and um so yeah it's totally interesting um definitely so let's talk about the new album then can you just talk a little bit about the wider concept and how you maybe approach this album slightly differently because i know it's gone a little bit more electronic than past releases yeah i think something that I'm always like striving for in my music is to just like why I started doing it in the first place, which is like to create music that I truly can like stand behind and like really be like proud of myself for creating. And I think I was just like getting in a mode where I really felt like passionate about electronic music and I really wanted to like create it and feel powerful performing it. So yeah, I've always like, also been really drawn to like concept albums so basing it on like kind of like creating a narrative throughout the album was really important to me and also just like really like important to my like lyric writing process also that's like something really big for me I like to kind of like have a prompt and then be able to like write on that yeah. So I'm guessing obviously the story or the concept is around cyborgs, clearly. But yeah. <laughs> can you tell us any more about the the story arc in the album? Yeah, it's definitely similar to the like story arc of Ex Machina, you know, being created for a certain like reason and like in a way like falling in love with your creator and kind of these complicated like feelings that arise through that relationship. And then in the end, like overcoming it in a way and moving on to your own future that's kind of like how the album goes I guess mm, yeah and so what was the process of recording the album did you go into a big studio did you do it mainly at home yeah it was kind of weird but because of the pandemic but also I feel like I would have done it this way anyways it's just kind of like my normal creative process but a lot of it is just like me in my in my room at my apartment, my studio, just like making these songs. And the only time I really like go outside of my room is to, you know, have like friends play on it. So drums in some areas and bass. And then also I had some string players play on it. And yeah, that's kind of the one of the last steps before mixing. But I tried to like have all the production done by then and all the songwriting done by then. So it's a pretty like isolating process, but also I don't think I could have like done it any other way. So. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to listen to a little bit of Like You now. And then once we played a little bit, we'll come back and have a chat about that.
So that was like you. Margaret, can you just talk through, um, is it okay to kind of break down a little bit how you approach recording this track? Yeah, I guess the the first sound that you hear is my little MS-20. So it's my first synthesizer I've ever bought and also like my favorite. I think it will always be my favorite synthesizer. I just have a soft spot for that like nice sound it has. But also the guitar was like something that I added after the song kind of like had that one pivotal change where I realized that I wanted to make it like a, a cyborg track. And I just wanted to kind of have it have this like lo-fi beginning and the second half kind of be this like beautiful awakening in a way, like a, a departure from the lo-fi beginning. So um, my guitar sound is like an auto bit, like a bit crusher, auto bit from Maris guitar pedals, which is like one of my favorite like go-to fuzz sounds that I use a lot on the record. Yeah, there's also at the end, like these kind of, I call them like disco stabs, but like the violins that are kind of like doing their little flashy thing. And that's like something that I like to like sprinkle in throughout the record. So Mm. there's like lots of like recurring sounds, I think on the record too, that like come from this track as well. Mm. When I've listened to it, I've thought about how there's this real mix of like grittiness yeah. Which I think must come from part, you know, you're talking about the guitar pedals you're using that really create this sort of gritty fuzziness. But then there's also yeah. this real cleanness. And I think that mix, I can definitely f- sense that cyborgness coming through in the production, not just the story, but the production, where you've got that mix of the gritty and the clean. And it's almost like the kind of, you know, the purity of the technology is disintegrating through this self-awareness or something maybe I'm reading far too much into it you know I think that that is an interesting combination that you also see in a lot of say classic manga like Ghost in the Shell or something that that disintegration of that pure technology and yeah so so that definitely comes through and also when I've listened to this song it's interesting your vocal it sounds quite electronic but it's not am I right in saying that right yeah, actually, yeah, I've had friends ask if that's like a vocoder. Yeah. But yeah, I just layered my vo- my vocal harmonies on that. Yeah, but I think it's also the way that you're singing is very minimal, you know? So mm. it's just these kind of very minimal two notes in a phrase. Yeah. And no vibrato in your voice and just very kind of simple delivery that I think helps with that too. Yeah, I think my vocals have always been kind of like a weird thing for me, but... I always like err on the side of like restraint when I'm singing, I think, because it's just maybe how the music make me, makes me feel. Or I think I haven't felt the need yet to like make a super raw vocal track yet. Yeah. Um, and it's like maybe something I want to experiment with in the future. But I think the lyrics that I'm singing, I also felt like were very like calculated and a little bit cold in a way. So yeah singing that in a certain way it was like important to me I guess mm, yeah well coming back to your home studio setup so you're saying like mm-hmm. you, you probably would have made the album in this way anyway what is it that you find you like about working and making music from home as opposed to going into a big flashy studio 
big flashy studios like intimidate me so much. I think also just as a small artist, it's like not, it's just not like realistic because you have to like pay by the hour basically for these studios or by the day. And that's like a lot of money to just like go into the studio and just like be like messing around like as a small artist. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. So making my home studio work was like, like I had to do it Mm -hmm. in the home studio or else like it wasn't going to be made. So, and I think other, like also it's just a really safe space for me. I don't create well in like front of others, I think. So just having that like space to get away from people and like be with my own thoughts was like also really important to the process, I think. Yeah, I can really identify with that. Like even for me, even when I was younger, when I was sort of starting to sing and play guitar, even if I heard one of my family members walk past my room, yeah. I just stop and just feel so self-conscious. Me too. And the idea of <laughs> writing a whole album in a studio with other people is like, <gasps> yeah, I'm, I'm honestly still like that. And it's kind of embarrassing, like to the point <laughs> where like, yeah, if I'm playing and like, if I'm playing at home, I, I can't have anyone hear me still or like even like my partner who I live, who I live with, I, I like don't even like to play in front of him or anything. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Do, I exactly. I'm the same. I'm like, no, I'm not just going to sit here and noodle away. And yeah, <laughs> I, and I, and I actually don't like it when other people do it in front of me either. Yeah, no, me either. I hate Put the guitar down. I know. Actually, that's, <laughs> that's something I really get irritated by. <laughs> I think it. It must be though, like because of the way we like view our relationship to to music mm. is maybe like in a like extra extreme vulnerable yeah. way. So like doing that is just like unimaginative to us. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, 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 definitely. But no, I mean it's it's like it, I think there's definitely a personality aspect of that. If you are if you are someone that likes to kind of create in a little. Or that creativity is a sort of refuge or a way of processing stuff that is hard to articulate Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, that having that home studio set up can be great, at least as a launching off pad, because it could be that, you know, for some people they want to take what they've developed at home and then bring it into a studio. But how how have you found kind of integrating more and more technology? Because I know that that's something that you've probably built up over the years of expanding Mm -hmm. your setup, but do you have a big setup at home? Is it quite stripped back? I have to say I do have like a big setup (laughs) and I like, I hate that I think this way, but like I am susceptible to like the thought of like, oh, I need more (laughs) gear in order to like create more music, (laughs) which is like so unhealthy. But yeah, I guess I'm just like a gearhead in a way, but But, um, I'm interested. Like, why do you think that is unhealthy? Because there's lots of people that would just be like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) particularly lots of blokes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think th- I think because like as a small artist I'm like very like aware of like the financial aspect of things and so like that type of thinking can be really restrictive because it's like I don't have the money for this right now so therefore I can't buy the gear and if I can't buy the gear then like I can't make the music and I I just don't like that way of thinking mm-hmm. because like I should be able to like make music with just like a guitar or just like with GarageBand on my computer. Mm-hmm. But I think also to like cut myself some slack, like it's just I'm very inspired by like the production process of creating music 
And I don't think I can just, I rarely, rarely can make music on just an acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. and being able to be inspired by different tones and bloops and like certain like atmospheres that like production can create is like really important to my writing process. So having like different gear and new instruments to like create new sounds like is like really inspiring for me. But also the, yeah, the computer is also like a limitless like space in itself. So like, it's not, I don't necessarily need the external like hardware gear to do that, but I maybe make excuses for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. She came over to my house to listen to a new mix that I'm working on. And I was saying how, you know, all the things I was thinking of maybe adding to my setup. But then I was like, but honestly, there's so much I still haven't explored in the free stuff in my DAW. Yes, yes. And and it is true that it, it is so limitless. There's so much in there. But I think also if you have if you have the opportunity, it's always nice to add, you know, new bits of gear and work, for example, working with something analog as opposed to something that's digital. Mm. It is a different feeling. It's not necessary for, you know, if anyone is listening, it's not necessary to be recording music and you can just use your computer, but as you progress and as you start experimenting, it is nice to add new bits in. So, you know. Yeah. And I do have to say, I think the analog experience is really like informative also. Also just like going to NYU and having like analog technology classes. It's like a really great way to like learn. Mm. So I like would also like encourage people to maybe just like buy a synthesizer or something or like an FM synthesizer just to have that like hands-on knowledge is like really helpful sometimes. But also on the other hand, there's like great computer like software experiences that can give that to you yeah and I know something that you've kind of grappled with along the way is reducing that friction between your creative expression and then using the technology can you talk a little bit about that yeah I think because like learning technology and learning gear has its own learning curve so it really is like practicing an instrument to me and I think when you are like further along with maybe like guitar, it's more easy to like write on guitar because there's not so much thinking involved or not so much like technical like barriers that are involved. So I think like even just like using, yeah, your computer to make music, that can be something that creates like friction. And I've been really like noticing that just because I am someone who relies a lot on technology and like production to create music. So it's something I've been struggling with recently, trying not to let my mind get so muddied by all these like little details that I'm worried about, like with technology or like my hardware, like gear, trying to like pull up the manual to figure out how to do this thing that like I want to do in my mind. I think some like things that I've been trying to do recently are just really trying to like meditate on the sounds and try to clear maybe these more like negative thoughts that can pop up in your head as you're playing and like the more self-critical thoughts and just really listening to like the bare sound and 
allowing your imagination to like to like kind of like flourish from those sounds as opposed to like having all these like different thoughts that aren't crucial to like the creative process mm. kind of like push those thoughts aside for the moment mm. and then like I always have to tell myself to like worry about that stuff later mm-hmm. and just focus on what I want the like music to actually do as opposed to maybe the sounds I need to like let take a I'll let them take a backseat for like a second. Mm, yeah. I think that's a really good reflection because it's easy for us to become quite controlling of the process really, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. well, I I want to do this thing and I can't work yeah. out how to do that thing or whatever that might be. Whereas the other approach that you're you're sharing is more of an intuitive approach of like, right, I'm going to listen and then mm-hmm. I'm going to see what comes from just listening to that sound or yeah. switching the thing on and just pressing a note and let's see what comes from that rather than trying to control it and then getting frustrated yeah. that it's not going how you want it to go yeah totally I think because like also people like create usually from you get a thought in your head and then you have to like make that work through your hands mm-hmm. and that is like a really hard thing to do actually <laughs> so yeah. It's sometimes like, yeah, it, at least it's it's helpful for me to meditate from the sound on as opposed to like trying to make the sound into something that like I already have in mind. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So something that I always like to ask guests is what's your favorite part of the music making process? So that could be everything from, you know, setting up mics all the way through to receiving that finished master i think definitely somewhere in the like late production phases there's always like there's always a point that makes me fall in love with the song Mm. and that that's the point where i know it's gonna make it onto the record and i think that is like finding the like sonic world that you like want the song to exist in like during the production process and it can be like a really like beautiful experience, I think. Mm. Yeah. So where things are kind of coming together, but they're not quite fixed down. It's like, you're still in that production phase where you're having creative ideas, but it's really taking life and you're really starting to see it as a whole. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Cool. And then lastly, just your advice to other musicians who want to start making music with technology. Uh, Yeah, I would say like be easy on yourself and allow for all of the like technical mishaps to happen and don't worry about pulling up the manual and having to like go through all these like learning curves. I think in a way the learning curves are like what will really like make it into something beautiful because you're taking this care and like this like want to like make your music into something specific and putting that time in to really work out the technical like little specific things can really like take your vision to the next level in a way Mm -hmm. so don't shy away from those like problems that come up and don't let them like knock you down or knock your confidence and really try to like believe in yourself and know that like you can 
you can win the fight with technology <laughs> and like you you can like make your vision a reality it just like it, it it's like a, it's a learning curve yeah. yeah it's like learning to play an instrument so i think that's really good advice because i think a lot of people particularly women and gender expansive people will approach mm -hmm. technology and feel like if it doesn't click immediately then that means they're just not good at it because yeah. we've already been conditioned to think we're not good at it if that makes sense yeah yeah uh, yeah going to music school was like horrible for that because <laughs> yeah. like all these bros were like acting like it's second nature to them to like work all these plugins and like it's like they can do it in like a second mm. but really it was just like them showing off and like thinking that this is like a competitive thing so they were like needing to prove how fast they could yeah. do it where it's like not a race at all no. and it's also like kind of like annoying to like do that yeah. so yeah and I, I mean my experience is studying in those kind of spaces as well is that it's where you know like they always say the patriarchy disadvantages lots of people including men and I think sometimes men in those spaces can feel this pressure to look like they know what they're doing even though they don't mm -hmm. and then yeah. you know there's obviously things you you miss out on when you're having to always perform competency rather yeah. than show vulnerability and learn you know new things so I think that's it's really important to remember what you said I think anyone that's listening remember that everyone ha goes through those learning curves and it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you're just you know uniquely terrible at this it just means that it does take time and it takes practice yeah and I actually am like really excited for this like new generation too because mm -hmm. like there's like the like renaissance that like music is kind of going through like with more women and like non-binary people being able to like relate to each other and and talk and like be able to form their own like collectives yeah. is like really great and i think also the amount of like men from my program that like have talked to me about how those like toxic masculinity like traits can really like negatively affect them mm -hmm. it's like it makes me like really appreciate the like spaces that yeah. are being formed for for people like us definitely so. and i know you know i've been contacted by listeners to the podcast who guys and they say I, I listen to this podcast because it's so refreshing you know yeah um, it's a safe space yeah, yeah yeah and there's conversations that I had that wouldn't necessarily be had on a regular music tech podcast you know because mm -hmm. it, it isn't yeah it, it's a different space that's precisely like you say it's been it's part of this new wave of mm -hmm. um I guess I guess in a very reductive sense like a more feminist approach but but yeah, I agree. So Margaret, thank you so much for joining me on Girls Twiddling Knobs. Um, it's been wonderful to find out more about your music. And also, you know, I, I urge everyone to go and check out Follow the Cyborg as well. And um, we will link to that in the show notes. And congratulations on the release. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a, a lot of fun. Well, what a fab way to start season four of the podcast. I loved hearing about Margaret's influences and concepts behind the new release and their fascination with what cyborgs represent. I also really appreciated hearing their inner recording and production struggles and how they've silenced their inner critic. It's not easy, but being able to just let the music lead us rather than being too precious or controlling of the outcome is something most of us could probably embrace a little more. 
how many times do we allow the process of recording and production to unfold imperfectly? It's definitely not something that always comes easily to me, especially when I'm snatching bits and pieces of time around a busy life. It's true what Margaret said. These messy, sometimes frustrating learning curves with music tech really are how we learn and get better. While it might be tempting to start turning it back in on ourselves or hand the production process over to somebody else, it is so rewarding and empowering to stick with it so we can eventually have the tools to channel our own vision like Margaret describes. This is especially fulfilling if, like Margaret and me, you like to have your own space while you create. Miss Grit's new album, Follow the Cyborg, is out now on Mute Records and you can find this and their website linked to the show notes. Now, next week on the podcast, we're talking about something I know so many musicians struggle with, and that's making time for your music. I've been pretty honest about the fact that over the last few years, due to health challenges, I've mainly been focused on all things female DIY musician, including this podcast, and not my creative practice. But over the last 12 months, I've started to feel a real need to create music again, despite having a very busy schedule these days. So I wanted to break down how I've made the time to write and produce music again, despite doing all the things. Seriously, next week's episode will be super useful if your music is always left to the bottom of your to-do list. But till then, take care, and I'll catch you here soon. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.